0: Today's story comes from the book Appalachian Ghost Stories and Other Tales by James Jones. Today's tale is the ghost of Zona Shu, but is also known as the ghost of Greenbrier County. In the annals of Greenbrier County can be found the unique fact of the admission to court record of the testimony of a ghost. The events that led up to the bizarre experience occurred in a rural community east of Raynell in 1897. In a neat little cottage in that community, Mary Heaster, a middle-aged widow, lived alone. Hour after hour, late into the night, she lay awake and reviewed in her mind all about the things she could remember, having heard or observed about her son-in-law, Edward Trout Shue. She recalled the time when this brawny, ruggedly handsome young blacksmith and stonemason first came into the community and how the young ladies were about his arrival. Then, there was surprising news that one of his admirers, Esteline Cutlip, had run away from home to marry him. After their marriage, they had returned to the community and started housekeeping in a log cabin across from the Rock Camp Church. Some time after their baby girl was born, it was observed that Trout rarely did any work and neglected to provide for his family. Ominously, one dark winter night, three men appeared at the front door of his cabin and told him, in no uncertain terms, to go to work and get food and clothes for S.T. and the baby. When Trout failed to do as ordered, the three men returned, overpowered him, and dragged him to a creek nearby. After cutting a hole in the ice, they ducked him under the cold blue water. One morning, soon thereafter, while making up the bed, Estee found a razor under Trout's pillow. Thoroughly alarmed, she wrapped up the baby and left home never to return. After Trout had married again, it was rumored that he was so jealous of his second wife, he forced her to go with him and help him in his work as a stonemason. One day, while helping him build a chimney, she would fill a container with rocks, which he then pulled by a, a rope to his work platform. Once as she bent over to fill the container, Trout dropped a rock on the back of her head, causing concussion and sudden death. Then, Mary Heaster's daughter, Zona, fell in love with Trout. Despite Mary's pleading and begging for her not to marry him, she ignored her mother's disapproval and became his third wife. Zona, at the time of her marriage, was a strong and healthy young woman who had never had a serious illness in her whole lifetime. Thus, it was an astounding shock to the whole community when word came that she was dead. Dr. Knapp, the community doctor, on checking her death, reported that her heart had failed her. Now that Zona was dead and buried, Mary could only lie sleepless, or at best toss in a fitful slumber. At night, in wonder, what really happened? She had some doubts about Dr. Knapp's report on the cause of her daughter's death, And she fervently prayed that she might learn how Zona had really died. In her fitful slumber, Mary thought she heard noises about the house, but on becoming fully awake, all was quiet. Later in the night, while she dozed, she was disturbed by hearing someone calling her. On awakening, she saw a pale silhouette of Zona standing in the doorway of her bedroom. When Mary sat up in bed, the apparition disappeared. Just to make certain she was not dreaming, she arose and looked throughout the house and out the windows into the night. But all was quiet and serene. A few nights later, Zona's ghost reappeared at Mary's bedroom door and pleaded, "'Mother, mother, please help me!' Mary, although thoroughly frightened, arose and followed the ghost to the back door. From there, she watched it walk out through the apple orchard towards the Seoul Chapel Cemetery where Zona had been buried. The next appearance of Zona's ghost was frightfully disturbing to Mary. It was while she was on her knees praying that she had felt a hand on her shoulder, and on looking up she saw the ghost standing beside her. It related in great detail how Trout had murdered Zona, because she had prepared a meal without any meat. He had become so angry that he clasped her head in his huge hands like a vice, and with a sudden twist had broken her neck. After the ghost had left, Mary remained sleepless throughout the remainder of the night. Her mind was racked with worry over what she should do. The next day, she went to her neighbors and told them all that had happened. After some discussion, it was decided that the proper authorities should be notified. Mary, accompanied by some neighbors, went immediately to the county seat at Lewisburg and reported the happenings to the prosecuting attorney. Soon thereafter, steps were taken to hold an inquest. Zona's body was exhumed and removed to the Nichol Schoolhouse for inquest and autopsy. In addition to Dr. Knapp, Dr. Rupert, a surgeon, and Dr. Markezny were appointed to perform the autopsy. A jury of six persons, led by Constable Chauver, was brought to the schoolhouse to observe the proceedings. When Trout, asked if he might at- when Trout Shue asked if he might attend the inquest, the authorities refused to grant his request. It was at the inquest that it had become public knowledge for the first time that Trout had personally prepared his wife's body for burial. He had dressed her in a frilly, high-necked dress with a large bow below the chin. It was thus that she appeared when Dr. Knapp had checked However, he admitted his examination had been somewhat hastily made because of the agonizing grief being expressed by Trout at the time over the loss of his wife. After the body was removed from the coffin and placed on a table, Dr. Rupert examined the stomach to see if there was any poison present, but found none. At this point, one of the jurors asked Dr. Rupert why the woman's head had seemed to roll loosely when the body was placed on a table the table. An examination was then made of the neck, and it was found to be broken. Following the inquest, Trout was arrested and taken to the county jail in Lewisburg to await trial on the charge of having murdered his wife. Some people were so incensed over what Trout was accused of doing, they looked upon a trial as a waste of time. When John Seward appeared, with a rope and suggested a hanging party, he soon had a mob moving in the direction of the county jail. When the sheriff learned of the approach of the mob, he handcuffed Trout to Deputy John Dwyer and sent them into a cornfield to hide. There, in the drizzling rain and within hearing distance of the angry mob, they sat out the night. Meanwhile, the sheriff convinced the mob the court should decide the fate of Trout Shoe when daylight came he was safely returned to jail in the ensuing trial the testimony of Mary Heaster, including the information provided her by Zona's ghost had a convincing effect on the jury Trout was convicted of murder and sentenced to the state penitentiary at Moundsville for life it was while there that he died in 1905